I'm as baffled by this conflicting evidence as you are. His prints are all over the crime scene. The TV footage puts him 60 miles away. He can't have been in two places at once. You know me. I didn't kill that kid, Ralph. Do you see how strange this is? What would make someone do such a thing? He didn't do it. I have no tolerance for the unexplainable. Well then, sir, you'll have no tolerance for me. Answer me this. Do you think Terry Maitland killed that boy? If he didn't do it, someone else did. Someone else did. Someone else did. Hello. And welcome back to Castle Rock Critical. I am your Hooray. host, Emma. Hurrah! And I'm joined this week by that little voice over there in Australia. It's Gaz. Okay, emphasis on the little again. I'm taller than you, so settle you down. You are, and, and my I, voice is I did admit bigger. that in a podcast. You did, that's all. <laughs> that's out there now for yeah, everyone to hear. It is. It's yeah. forever memorialised in audio. Um, mm. So me and not so little guys, if anything, I'm Little Emma, uh, are here to continue our coverage of HBO's The Outsider with episode six, the one with the Yiddish vampire. Uh, mm. Let's talk about that in a bit. Um, but firstly, just to give you guys an idea of what we're going to do in this podcast today, if you are new which I'm sure you're not at this point in episode six, we'll be doing our usual structure. So we'll get a general overview of thoughts and feelings about the episode, uh, a deep dive into the plot, and then over to King Corner for book differences. I've given up on Easter eggs, there aren't any. Uh, and then we'll round <laughs> everything up with some lovely listener feedback. Now, Gaz, you've been out for a couple of weeks. I have, yeah. So yeah. bring us up to speed on how you found the last couple of episodes, what you think of this one, and of course, give us your blueberry score and a brief explanation of that lovely little system that you coined. All right, thanks. Um, and thank you for the credit for the blueberry system. John's going to kill um, me. No, he, he won't. He, he, he knows. It's <laughs> fine. You can relax. Um, so the blueberry system um, is a simple yet complex beast. It is a rating system for all media consumed. Um, on a scale of 0 to 5, with 0 being awful and 5 being unbelievable, um, in a good way. So, <laughs> um, the last couple of episodes uh, that I've, I've missed out on, I will I'll briefly touch upon. Um, I didn't love them, and I was... I sort of... Um, First, first couple of episodes, the first three episodes of this show, I thought were brilliant, and I couldn't really understand your lukewarm um, reviews, Emma. Um, yeah, and fair. and I and I was thinking that because Lucy had sort of similar views as well, maybe slightly more positive than you, but I thought maybe maybe it's sort of maybe it's Emma rubbing off on Lucy. You know that can happen. You can be easily yeah, influenced definitely. if you're if you're with somebody watching stuff. Um, and I didn't get it. Obviously, you've you've got a slightly different perspective. You've you've read the books, um, and so you're making judgments based on that as well. Um, but I, I just thought the first three episodes were brilliant. Then the next two episodes were less brilliant, and I'm not going to blueberry them. But what I will say is, 
it just slowed all the momentum and it was it felt a lot like a lot of Stephen King stuff where yeah. there's a brilliant idea and they kind of got lost as to where to go with it and 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 so it's turned into this really quite complicated mess of different strands and ideas that are are all over the place and you're trying to connect them and and theorize and it's 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 really hard it's it's hard and that's not always a, a bad thing where you have to you have to work to to work things out but they've got they had to give us more clues and stop overcomplicating things in my opinion that's actually um, a really good point because you are right. You know, Stephen King as a, as a writer, especially you know, I've read a lot of Stephen King of the last couple of years. Thanks, Castle Rock Critical, um, <laughs> and I love it. But he is very verbose and he is very confusing. That the ironic mm. thing is that the book is not confusing at all. Actually, right. it's very easy. There's a quite a, a not easy. I'm going to say simple, like it's written for kids. It's definitely not. Don't let your children read it. Um, but there are only a handful of characters that you really have to keep up with. Whereas in the show, and I think if like we've listened to the last couple of episodes, obviously I'm assuming everyone that's listening has, you'll know that there are a lot of characters that have been added into this with a lot of detail that aren't in the book. And I think actually, Gaz, it's a really eloquent way of putting it. It's just become overcomplicated a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, the the I think the best mysteries are... In a show like this, the best mystery would be what is that? What is it? What is it that's doing this? And they kind of, they blew their load a little bit by showing you who was doing this from the start. So there isn't really that mystery. Um, that doesn't exist for us anymore. They, so they have to, so they've decided to give us other mysteries around kind of how, what the technicalities are, how it functions. Mm. Um, and I just don't find those mysteries as interesting as who is this what is this creepy figure that's lurking like uh, that's a more interesting that's that's a more interesting theory to to kind of think about so i didn't love the um the previous two episodes and i thought to myself i'm hopefully coming back into into this at a good point where it's going to kick on again um and i'm not sure i did get that to be honest uh, this episode I was having a look, and I, I think it's been pretty well received, actually, generally speaking. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing what you think. But um, for me, this this episode, episode six, the Yiddish vampire, is that like... <laughs> it's like a Friends like, title, the one with the Yiddish vampire. Yeah. Do you know what it makes me think of? Is that, that Count Dracula from Sesame Street? <laughs> like, I know that he's just sort of... Transylvanian he's like got a Romanian accent or something but it, it sounds like he could be Yiddish doesn't it yeah a little bit I want to suck your blood I don't know um anyway there is so much explanation in this episode um and it needed it, it, it some of this stuff needed explaining but the way it was just sort of people standing around going well if you think about it then um actually it must be that there's he wasn't actually here because he hasn't left any imprints on the chair. But there is how much some does a radio transmission weigh? Table. Right, I'm like I don't I don't know or care. What is this? <laughs> anyway, lots of explaining, but still like more confusion. And and yeah, exactly. How much does a 
How much does a radio transmission weigh? How heavy is a hologram? I, I don't know. Why is that relevant? Is he also, a hologram? Is he? Of can, all the people what? you're asking, it's Jeannie, and I'm not sure that she has a fucking clue, to be honest. <laughs> not that she's stupid. Don't think she is at all. No, but she doesn't have a doctorate in weight science, presumably. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> Give me a second. It's five thirty. All right. Um, and you know the way that like this this. Tracy guy in Dayton is involved in those murders. It just feels unnecessary, unnecessarily clogged up. Um, there's the bit with Jack getting beaten up with his mum that I just thought was a total misstep, like so out of out of keeping with the show. And the way that it's like cutting with 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 Glory emptying drawers that just didn't work at all. I'm, I'm sure we'll discuss it later, um, but. I do think that this was the end of a mid-season slump, and I think I can I can see that there is a clearer vision, um, and the show is still, generally speaking, really well made and really creepy atmospherically. So I am still going to give this three blueberries, despite being mostly critical. Well, we are fan critical, so you know, and three bloops isn't bad. It's above average. Yeah. Uh, and actually, any kind of half decent TV is a three and above. Let's be honest. And you know, and interesting to hear what you think. Having not heard your opinion over the last couple of episodes, definitely interesting. Um, I actually, yeah. I quite like this episode. I definitely, yeah, I, well, I definitely liked it a lot more than I liked the last two. And I have been a little bit harsh. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to the outsider that I have been because I had such high hopes for you. Um, but but this episode, for me, it felt like it moved quite a bit further on where I felt like we lulled a bit. And I think it's because I, so I've been waiting for quite a while for the kind of detective round the table reveal thing, because uh, that does happen in the book better, oh, yeah. save that for King Corner, better in the book than it is in the show. Um, but it's also getting spookier and a bit more supernatural, which is what I really like about this story. I it's an interesting story anyway, but the spookier it gets, the more I enjoyed it. And I think this episode gave us that. I think, yeah, there were some clunky things in it or a couple of niggles that I'd, I'd point out. Like, actually, unlike a lot of viewers, I'm quite enjoying Andy and Holly. It is a little bit hard to believe that he can all of a sudden get a lot of information from law enforcement when he's a security guard. Um, and, you know, some of it was just a bit kind of, I suppose, over expositiony. Like, you don't need to keep explaining things, move the fucking plot along. Um, I gotta say, though, like, top notch Cynthia Erivo. She was nailing Hob- Holly Gibney this week. Hobby? Holly Gibney this week. <sighs> And Hobby. she, Hobby Gidney, uh, <laughs> and I loved her. Like, actually, some of the most powerful things that she does that I really enjoy are those silent, staring vacantly and thinking. Well, not vacantly, but like staring and thinking. You can see her mind going. And then she's doing nothing with her face, but she's doing everything with it. And I think that, I mean, I haven't read um the bill hodges trilogy mr mercedes and and all of those but i really really want to because i want more holly and she she is the best part of this show for me and she i think she is also the best translation from the book for me even though it's not spot on to her i i really like her on screen and i loved her in the book is she one of the few that's kept her name 
Well, yeah. I mean, everyone. Marcy is now Glory, which is a stupid name. The kids. Are just, that is a stupid name. Glory is, is a stupid name. Oh, it's just gonna, drives me nuts. Finish her name up, Gloria. That's that's okay. You can call her that if you want. Glory. Yeah. Gloria is a song by Van Morrison that I once saw live when I was a child. Yes. Well, there you go. It sounds like I'm a woman in my 60s. I'm not. Uh, but my <laughs> mother was. <laughs> but no, I mean, like, yeah, the last couple of episodes have been, you're right, it's a mid-season slump. And I'm more used to seeing stuff like that in The Walking Dead than I am in a Stephen King adaptation or an HBO show. But I, I felt like this was back to more solid ground and I think better television. I'm actually going to give it a four blueberry. Well, excellent. I think that's the first time you've over-blueberried me in this series. But um, Yeah, that's... you did give episode one five, which I think in hindsight is acceptable. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Um, got me got me right in. But there you go. Well, look, why don't we crack on and talk about uh, the actual plot, everything that happened, and give it our, our two cents. Um, and just before that, we'll dive into a little advert break. Hello, this is the part of the podcast where we hawk our wares to you. Uh, Castle Rock Critical is a uh, child podcast of the fan critical <laughs> podcast family parent channel. Just weird emphasis on child. <laughs> we're, we're the baby, although if anything, I think the best of all of them because I get to host these. Um, mm-hmm. But we do loads of really cool content across the main fan critical channel. And if you follow that, you can get access to every single podcast that we do. You can find us on social media. We are at fan critical pod on Twitter, at fan underscore critical on Instagram and just fan critical on Facebook. And uh, we do loads of other really cool stuff, like I said. What what are we doing? Well, uh, in just over four weeks, we will be going back for the hosts of Westworld to cover Westworld Season 3. I oh can't wait to spend another 10 episodes being so utterly confused I question my own existence. Uh, yeah, but that's okay. You don't have to host that one. So. No, I don't. Um. I just get to be an idiot, um, which is what I do well. We have also got a new uh, Patreon commissioned podcast just being decided upon. Uh, and for any of you uh, Blueberry... Blueberries... Uh, elite blueberries on patreon who haven't picked your commissioned podcast then please do let us know and we'll make sure to cover that when we get the time and we'll also be doing some new stephen king retrospectives when the outsider is over uh, what have we done recently gaz um we have done oh we've done star wars yeah fairly recently that divided um, so opinion if you oh my word it did <laughs> um I, I i've yeah i felt like the earth had split between me and i fell down the middle um and oh, Oscars we did our Oscars predictions which um oh my god I tell you what listening back to that I was so close to getting pa- Parasite right I know um, it's heartbreaking isn't it a spoiler warning for the Oscars if you haven't looked to the winners by this point Parasite did win best picture and best director and best foreign film uh, but that's a great podcast we do that every year we have a great laugh with it we really enjoyed making our predictions I always lose um, but yeah. this year I've got more than one right. So in fairness, I think I've improved. Um, well done. In fact, you and I, Gaz, both got three. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and actually, very interesting, this is a nice segue. We also had a competition for our Patreons uh, in the Oscars Predictions podcast, where we asked them to give us their predictions as well, to be in the chance of winning their own commissioned podcast of a, a film of some variety, either classic or new, ideally new. Uh, so our winner of that was uh, Mr. Michael Corsi. Well done, Michael. 
Um, if you want to get involved in Patreon, you can. I mean, it's not free. It does involve investing in your favourite podcast, Fan Critical. Uh, but we'd love it if you could do that and you get loads of really cool stuff with it. So every single Patreon that supports us from our junior blueberry level upwards gets access to our cast its where we recast classic films or new films, uh, often to hilarious effect. You also get access to our community Discord channel to chat to each other about TV and film and Emma and Gaz, your two favourite podcasters. Uh, And our higher levels give you opportunities to chat with us, commission your own podcast, and even guest on a podcast too, which we've done one of, which was great fun. Uh, It was really good. And, you know, commissioning podcasts, brilliant, because we don't have to think about what we have to do now. Honestly, that helps a lot. And, um, you know, we, we need the money. John's just had a kid, so, you know... You've just got to be married. Able to support that. I've just got married. I want to be able to support my wife. No, she's she's very self sufficient. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but I wouldn't mind being able to support myself. Um, and Len's just got a dog. He's got to pay for bandanas for it and stuff. Yep. Um, I've got a cat and a house. I've got to pay for. Yep. Yep. You do. Um, we all have needs. We do. So anything that you can give will be much appreciated and you get stuff back too. It's not like you're just doing it for nothing. And we have actually got some new Patreons to shout out this week. Uh, So firstly, and I'm going to apologise in advance if I get this wrong, but I think Ewan supported us this week who asked for I-W-A-N. Ewan, 100%. He's got a good, solid Welsh name, just like me. Yeah, I reckon so. Welcome, Ewan. Um, thank you for supporting us. Uh, specifically requested uh, a shout out on The Outsider. Uh, Sarah L also has joined our Patreon gang. Um, she may have also got a shout out last week. I couldn't remember. And then just this afternoon... Give Holly- another one. Yeah, have another one. Sod it, why not? Extra bonus value. Uh, and then just this afternoon, Holly Robertson has signed up too. So welcome, Holly. Thank you very much. Our new second favourite, Holly. <clears throat> yep. Only second favourite, Holly Gibney being the first one. Um, but thank you guys and to everyone who's been supporting us for a long time. We do really appreciate it and it helps us to put together lots more uh, really good content, uh, especially when you tell us what we should be recording on. Uh, but for now, I reckon it's time to get back to the plot of the one with the Yiddish vampire. <laughs> right, so episode six opens with Holly waiting at a bus station. Very American. Uh, to head back to meet with the gang and deliver her findings. In the background, we've got Mm. a news report about the police standoff from last episode, and they identify this dude as Tracy Powell. Holly sees his face, and immediately she recognises him as the weirdo man she found at Heath's grave. I thought this was a nice opening. We seemed to be, like, getting some more information, making some steps in the right direction. What what about you, Gaz? Um, What new info did you get from this? His, His name... Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I mean, actually, that good wasn't point. <laughs> a detail that I was desperate to know. I wasn't like, oh, I must know his name. Um, unless it was going to be like Christopher Outsider. And I'd be like, ah, hold on. But, um, <laughs> Theodore Outsider. The Outsider. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That is good. Um, then, yeah, I mean, no, that's fine. Nothing wrong with the opening. I just, yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel like, oh, 
brilliant loads of new info well it felt like it felt like we were going to kind of deal with it i mean that we knew his name so something would happen afterwards is kind of what i mean like it'd be yeah i mean we'll talk about how i feel about this whole thing later on with my opinion changed drastically um so obviously when she finds out his name she calls andy security guard andy and asks him to do some digging into tracy he says yes because you know love you yeah that was my next word in my notes was because love uh, and then he tries to express to her how much he misses her um to which Holly smiles, but still like shuts him down pretty ruthlessly, and is like, "Yeah, yeah I'm getting on the bus. See ya." I don't even think she yeah, says bye. goodbye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bye. Thanks. But I mean, so one of the things I was going to ask you, and I've kind of mentioned it in my um, what I think of this episode thing. What do you think about the developments of the last few episodes with security guard Andy and Holly? Um, I quite like it. I yeah, I do. Um, I think. I think I think it's good for her to have a sort of slightly more mainstream side as well as you know the other stuff, um, and it shows that that it just it just shows a shows a different side to it, doesn't it? Um, and Andy, he's he's a little little sweetheart. He's an adorable little dweeb. He's such a dweeb, isn't he? Um, I like him though. I quite like him. He's got sort of unprecedented levels of access to information, but, um, you know, and I sort of, maybe I missed something originally when we first met him, but it felt like him being a detect an investigator was kind of really convenient. Yeah, it was a bit sort of box ticky, wasn't it? Um, But it's helpful for us because, you know, she gets loads of information. So we're on the bus with Holly. Uh, she whips out her laptop and starts looking at the pictures that she took of the guy we now know as Tracy at Heath's grave. Uh, or as my, my notes say, at Heath's grace. Uh, lo and behold, she spots some gross-ass, mouldy neck situation going on. And this is, I suppose, the first time she's seen this. Um, and it's yeah. pretty disgusting. <laughs> then she gets an email from Andy. Uh, and Andy's like, look, I've done some digging with my special old detective friends. Uh, Tracy and Heath were cousins. Uh, but then we lose bus Wi-Fi, so she can't go back to him. So she goes for a snooze. Uh, and bus snoozes are awful. But I can understand. She's, you know, she's been working really hard. She's uh, she's tired. So she wakes up. She goes to go to the toilet on the bus. Never, never do that. Never, ever do that. Just wait. Uh, she sees a, a mangy version of Tracy who's got a slightly mouldy face. He points out the front of the bus to a, a jackknife lorry in the road. So, of course, Holly gets all like, oh, my God, causes a massive ruckus. The bus screeches along the highway, um, like, down the guardrail, and the guy's like, dude, what the fuck? And there's nothing there. Are you high? Are you high on <laughs> my bus? Are you high on my bus, man? And Holly's like, Holly probably looks high because she just looks so utterly fucking baffled by it. Um, yeah. Now, like, I mean, I thought this was interesting, and it's a good way um, to like show how the outsider can potentially control people in the subconsciousness, or or maybe control what they see. But I did think it was a little bit obvious, mm-hmm. bit lazy, what do you mean? as in like I just thought it was a bit of a lazy kind of, and especially with the rest of the episode, I kind of felt like, did you have to do it that way? Did, could you not have used some of the stuff that's already happened to have just have yeah, that right. home? Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah chucking in a new, a brand new ability. Yeah, well, it kind of is, isn't it? It's like going, oh, yeah, no rules here. And we said this, and I don't want to hark back to it, but I'm going to. 
we said this about Castle Rock season two. There's got to be rules when it comes to the supernatural. Like ro- vampires have to have rules, goo people have to have rules, and the outsider mm. has to have rules. And at the moment, he's like some magical, all-powerful being. Yeah, right. And he can also fly. What? I missed that bit. And breathe fire. Oh yeah, no, I remember that. Yeah. I know what you mean. <clears throat> and uh, yes, I, I don't think I'd thought about. It in that way. I did think about other moments of this episode in that way. Um, but I actually... Th- I, I didn't think at the time that this was an outsider-influenced vision. I thought that maybe it was a Holly Gibney vision that was... I thought that maybe... So at first, when she like tries to stop the bus driver and he's like, what the heck? They actually cross a road and I thought a truck was going to come across oh, the road. As the they were, I thought... Yeah, I thought it was it was going to be an actual vision of something to come, and then when that didn't transpire, I was I was waiting for the whole for the whole show for there to be like a jackknife lorry um, somewhere, and it didn't come, and then I was like, oh, that wasn't a Holly Gibney inspired vision; it was an outsider trickery. That's vision. really interesting. I had that hadn't occurred to me. See, this is why I like doing this podcast because I get to listen to other people's opinions. Because um, I immediately just thought, it's him again, fucking with her. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think you were right. Hmm. Uh, well, I, yes, I was. Um, but I imagine that probably also put you on edge a bit for the rest of her journey, which is quite cool. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So we go back to Dayton. No. Where do they live? That stupid city. Back, Georgia. Back to Cher- Cherokee City in the state of Georgia. Some of the geography in this podcast while I've been away has been appalling. Emma. Look, I'm sorry, Gareth, but you are the geography teacher. I have yeah. a degree in English. Right. And even that I struggle with. So I, I don't, I mean, I don't even know the counties in the UK, let alone states and cities in the US. This is why you have Abismal. to be here. So I don't have to ask listeners who can then send me information about things. I'll tell you Which what. There's a little, there's a little cheat code um, when it comes to to US geography. Look at a map of the US, and you'll have all the information you need. I'll try that next time. Should we try that again? So we head back to Cherokee City in the in the state of Georgia. Very good. There we go. There you go. You've learned. That's all there right. I have. I've learned a lesson. Gold star for me. Uh, Ralph is playing around with his wonky face drawings of the man or drawings of wonky-faced man. Uh, and actually, mm. here's a note. So anyone who is a Patreon or who would like to become one just for this, uh, our drawings are coming up onto Patreon soon for you to judge. I've seen almost all of them, and they are absolutely fucking terrible. What? I'm so proud of mine. <laughs> uh, let, come on, save the surprise. Um, so Ralph clearly isn't looking at our drawings. Maybe Gareth, I don't know. Uh, but he, he can obviously <laughs> see the similarities between all of them. But he is he's really reticent to admit that they look similar and this could be something other than everyone having a weird dream. Jeannie, on the other hand, when she sees the picture the kid drew compared to her one, is she's pretty distressed by it because they are almost identical. And she's not having any of Ralph saying it's just people having dreams. Um, and so actually one of the things that she does just after this is convinces Ralph to invite Glory and Jeannie to the, the big detective meeting. Um, why, do you yeah. think, why do you think Ralph refuses to admit what's quite obviously going on or open his mind to the unexplainable? Because well, he's just not wired that way, is he? 
Um, it's been six episodes. It, yeah, I know. I do, I do find it weird how kind of certain he is that that Jeannie was, was dreaming because there's so much evidence to suggest otherwise. And, you know, as a detective, you don't ignore evidence, even if it contradicts what you were what your original theory was, what your hypothesis was. So he should know better. I also feel a little bit like, and I think it was either last episode or the episode before, where they, we had the flashbacks to her um, grief-stricken state after they lost their son. Understandable. Yeah, last episode, yeah. Yeah, I also feel a little bit like Ralph's just going, yeah, you're just having a weird moment like before. Come on, it's a dream. Don't worry about it. Like dismissing her, which I don't like, because that's not the Ralph I know. No, and I don't. I don't think it's the Ralph that's been set up in no. the show either. But there you go. That's that's where he's at. He doesn't. He's not having, not any, having of any of it. Not having a bar of it, as they say here. I've learnt two new things now, guess. Speaking of people, I don't particularly like Jack. Wakes up to a rather pleasant surprise in the next scene. The blisters on the back of his neck have significantly reduced. So he thanks some unseen entity. Uh, and then calls Ralph and is like, "Can I, can I join your gang, please? I want to come to the meeting." How he knows that's happening today, I don't know. Um, but he's desperate to get himself involved. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, he, we know. And this annoys me a bit, like you know him getting involved in it. it but you know, we know why. That's fine. We do, we do indeed. Uh, so back at the Maitlands's, uh, Glory is having a pretty rough time coping with her grief and that of her girls as well. Like one of the girls wants pancakes for breakfast and she says pancakes for weekends. And the other girl then turns around, I don't know why I'm laughing, it's just awkward, um, turns around and says, daddies are for weekends, which is <laughs> fucking awful because daddy's never coming back. Sorry. No. Um, but then don't worry because everything is all saved by Jeannie turning out with a bag of Derek's old toys which is very sweet um, and she asked Glory to come to the meeting later and then she goes oh and actually while I'm here can I um, I wouldn't normally ask for this but I've given you some old toys now so can I uh, traumatise your children by getting the yeah. young one to uh, to describe the man that she dreamt about at all the different stages so I can draw it please and Glory's like yeah yeah it's fine what? I, mean, I mean what? Glory's angry afterwards and I can understand why um, yeah, I can. Although, what I do like about this, I've got, uh, and actually, secondly to Holly, Jeannie is cracking. I'm really enjoying her. I love how into it she's getting, um, and the one, and the fact that like she's the one that is probably so open to believing in something unexplainable, and you know, and we'll talk about her and and her and Holly later on. But her kind of contradiction with Ralph is. I really like it and I think she's great. I mean, yes, and within the show, history's going to prove her right, obviously. But in in reality, if that was happening, you'd just be like, honestly, Jeannie, this isn't your area of expertise. Can you just stay out of this? All right, Ralph. You know what I mean? I can, I can, now that I'm saying that, I'm like, I actually get Ralph's perspective because... But but no, because Ralph isn't like that. Ralph Ralph is more than happy for her to be involved in this investigation, which he shouldn't be really. And I mean, as I said, we know we know that she is actually right, and she'll be able to lord that over him. But um, 
like just for years to come. Oh yeah, remember that time with the uh, with the creepy outsider creature? Remember that? Yeah, you do the dishes, um, but he's got he's not he's not like what are you doing? Stop being, get trying to get involved in this. He kind of encourages her involvement and then just ignores her advice. It's a weird dynamic. It is, oh, but yeah, I suppose you are right. He's not actively going, "Oi, genie, butt out." He's just, you know, trying to convince her not to think that everything is all some crazy demon, uh, so to speak. Yeah, it'll be, I'm, I'm interested in the way that she's portrayed and the way that things all develop and whether we get like a post-credit scene at the end of the season where they're going, oh, your oh. turn to do the dishes. What do you mean, Jeannie? Come on, remember that time? Told you so. Then we get a brief interlude where Ralph goes to therapy. Um, he actually tells his therapist that he saw his son. He feels like it's a breakthrough, not him going mad. Um, quite a short scene. And then we flip back to Holly. Uh, somehow she's not been chucked off the bus after that debacle. Um, signals back and she gets a call from Andy, who's used some of his old connections to get some super insider information about Tracy Powell. So big news here. Tracy's car had the fingerprints from the two murdered girls that Heath allegedly killed inside it. And he knew those two kids because he dated their older stepsister. Yeah. Firstly, that sounded complicated because it is. Yes. <laughs> Secondly, what? I'm baffled by this. <laughs> I, okay. So, so the car, the guy that committed suicide by cop last episode had a car. Yeah. <laughs> whoa, and, whoa, whoa, right, whoa. Let's go back to basics. That had the fingerprints of two dead girls in it, but someone else killed them, but his fingerprints weren't on it. And the guy that got... Shot, uh, no, I'm lost. It right, just, okay. Yeah. I'm Point proven. glad it wasn't just me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, what is... Why do they need to add layers of, of confusion to this to this side story that isn't the main event? It's like, surely the, the Dayton murders are just there to kind of emphasise that the outsiders are at work. <sighs> I, yeah. I think this might be the I mean, first time in Stephen King adaptation history where the book explains something in a simpler fashion than the adaptation does. Right. So this doesn't happen in the book? No, none of this happens. Or at least not so confusingly. Like, we go back to Heath Hofstetter, but I don't think there's, I don't think there's much detail about anything like this. We definitely don't have a Maria who killed the kid. We don't have all of that background. It's really quite simple. It mostly just focuses on Terry and then a, a new a new thing, but let's not talk about that. It goes forward rather than backwards, shall we say. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but yeah, you're right. It's overcomplicated and it's over, like, exposition-y. With, without actually giving you the exposition you need. Yeah, without actually going, and what that means is, it's like writing an essay, <laughs> right? <laughs> or like when you work in sales, it's like, what's in it for you? Uh, tell, me, tell me what you're going to say. Say it. Tell me what you've said. Yeah. Explain That's it to the me. That's essay structure. Nice. It's much simpler than when I was a kid. Kid, teenager, young, just young. Um, right. And your mum was let... 60, apparently. Yeah. Taking me to Van Morrison concerts. And Jules Holland in his, in his blues band once. That was great. Um, uh, Interesting. Right. Save right. that for another pod. Let's leave that confusion behind. So um, in a rather weird turn of events, Jack picks up Holly for the meeting. Yeah. Like, right okay this is very odd um and then she, he takes her for a coffee no rush to you know 
find out what the fuck's going on. And says, oh, do you want to just tell me everything that you've learned that you're going to tell everyone else, but before you tell them? And so our clever little Holly says, no. Uh, and then she turns <laughs> the tables in him and is like, actually, you look pretty rough, mate. Are you all right? Um, you look like you're struggling with something. I think she says something weighing on your heart or something like that. Um, and he gets a bit, takes a bit of a turn. Almost looks like he's been like shocked. Um, so to get himself together, he goes into a, a seriously ropey looking bathroom. And I, I'm going to question everyone here. Do you not have lights in blues in this show? Why are they all dark? Like there's no lights. I mean, I think there was there was like a flickering fluorescent light in there, wasn't there? Yeah, but it's not like they were in some really grimy diner. It looked all right outside. Anyway, that just upset me. Um, what then upset me even yeah. more is that after he sort of rinsed his face and washed his hands, he stands up and behind him on the wall is a really creepy message that I'm not really sure what is painted on there uh, in, saying, stop her. Just stop Some her. Some sort of liquid adhesive. Um, creepy, right? Yeah, very creepy. I thought that was that was well done. Yeah, it was. And it's that kind of thing, like, if you go into a slightly deserted bathroom or anywhere late at night and there's a mirror and then you do, you know you get that sometimes get that like nervous feeling of like oh god what's gonna be there when i stand up yes. kind of thing blah, blah, blah. Yeah. and i've got to say and this is a bit of an odd an odd thing to say for me because i don't particularly like the way they're doing jack i feel like his storyline is progressing further than anybody else yeah yeah i mean i suppose it's quite linear and and, and simple um yeah maybe that's it it's Yes, it's slightly more straightforward. He's got infected by this thing. Although, you know, again, like, uh, last episode with him dropping off all the appliances in the woods. and Oh, you don't like that lamp, What is that? What is that? What is going on there? I can't explain to you, Gareth, because it doesn't make any sense to me either, if that helps. But finally, we get to the bit. That I mean, not necessarily the scene, but the bit of any good mystery that I love, which is the very Agatha Christie-esque detective reveal. You know, they're all sitting mm. around the proverbial dinner table and Detective Holly uh, is gathering all her minions to finally reveal what's going on, allegedly. Um, so those sitting around in this meeting are Ralph and Jeannie Anderson, Glory Maitland, Jack Hoskins, Howie the lawyer and Alec the PI and Eunice Sablo who is highly underused in this series, I will just say. So Holly yeah, goes... Despite his name being Eunice. Um, <laughs> do you reckon, do you reckon, like, I can imagine sort of, like, Howard and Alec being like, like, as um, as Ralph walks in, like, hey, Ralphie boy, what's going <laughs> What? You've brought your wife with you? What the fuck? And who's got... that? Why is she here? Who's this one? Fucking hell. We've got the whiskey out and everything. Now we're going to put it all away. Ladies. Exactly. Like they are expecting proper boys night in. (laughs) With Holly at the front being like, and so. Uh, (laughs) So Holly goes on through her evidence, right? She talks through the explanations of why everything's linked. All the backstory she's found. Blah, 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 blah. But unfortunately, everything is, is veering towards... El Coco land or El, Cu- El Cucho as, as he's now apparently called so we've gone from El Coco to El Cucho um, yeah well you guys were just butchering it I reckon I don't know I think I blame Len mostly for that um, so this makes everyone pretty standoffish and disbelieving uh, Ralph is is looking pretty you know 
I don't know where you're going with this, Gibney. Come on, I thought, I thought you were good, but now I'm baffled. Glory is having fucking none of this shit. Um, she goes pretty mental and then she storms out. Now, I understand that she's been waiting all this time for Holly to essentially come back and go, right, and this is why your husband isn't guilty because here's a logical explanation, not here's the fucking Yiddish vampire. Um, so I get that. She's a grieving widow um, who also thinks that her husband, now thinks her husband may actually be a child killer. <laughs> Which is not funny. Again, I laugh when I'm awkward. Uh, <laughs> were you surprised by anybody's reactions at this first bit, girls? Uh, only because when when Howie when Howie was like, "Oh, come on, Glory, you don't need to listen to this." She was like, "No, no, 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 I want to hear this." I thought, "Oh, she buy into it. Like she, she's she's on board." And then she like exploded in rage, and I was like, "Ah." Oh. Okay, maybe not. Um, but that that was that was probably what I was expecting originally. Um, I was surprised that I was surprised at Alec just because there was no sense that he would believe this, but then he seemingly seemingly is open to it. Well, yeah, because when they leave, he says to Howie, um, you know, he talks about like centuries old tales of monsters among humans you know witches just being women um you know is it not at least possible that we can mistake a demon for a human for once um which uh, i like alec in the book and we don't get enough of him in this show at all again like with eunice so i i was sort of waiting for something like this to happen like he is a little bit more open um but i kind of wish he'd said that in front of everyone else, not just to Howie, because Howie just tells him this stupid joke about a Yiddish vampire and then walks off. Yeah. And it um, wasn't even a funny joke. I've got to say, I don't... I think I've, I... I don't get it. I don't get the joke. I think the joke is that a cross isn't useful in getting rid of a Yiddish vampire because... Oh, because he's Yiddish. Because he's um, Yiddish. Right. Um, yep. But then like, that's not really funny, is it? Okay, so what's the message then? It's that you can't, maybe whatever it is that you're going to try to use to stop this thing isn't going to apply because it's not, it doesn't right play thing. by those rules. Yeah. So you can't arrest, can't arrest the outsider because he's not arrestable. Now, I mean, correct, but unnecessary. Um, I'm go- I'm going to call that not a joke. Or a very funny tale, um, and dismiss Howie quite disappointingly from that entire scenario. Um, you are dismissed. You are dismissed, Howie. Goodbye. Uh, <laughs> so in the parking lot after the meeting, oh, I've become all American. Parking lot, car park. Uh, you, <laughs> <laughs> Eunice tells Ralph that he thinks if Holly is right then Claude Bolton is the next victim of, of some variety. Uh, Ralph is not really open for being being that open-minded, but it does look like Eunice is. And, you know, he I, th- I mentioned right back when we first talked about um, El Coco or El Cucho, I'm going to call him El Cucho, uh, that Eunice tells the story in the first place. So, we, you know, he mentioned that in the meeting. It's like, oh, my grandmother used to say that to me when I was a kid. That was it. Okay, fine. Um, so I, I'm really... Looking forward to hopefully, please HBO, more Eunice after this. Um, Jeannie, however, is happy to stay and listen to Holly. 
you know, she has said since the first episode that maybe everyone should consider the unexplainable if the explainable doesn't exist. Uh, Jack is also there and he's having a, a pretty awful time. I should feel a bit sorry for him oh, at this God. point. Like, he's got stop her getting scratched into the back of his hands like some creepy fucking ghost. I mean, he is having a terrible time of it. Jesus. He I've looks just... like he's haunted and suffering from the DTs and hung over. Yeah. Yeah, he looks hung over. Yeah, badly Badly, sweaty. badly hung over. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, Ugh. So after that, Jeannie goes to get back in the car, and uh, Ralph has what I, Ralph ha- Ralph has what I like to call a serious like foot in mouth episode here. Uh, basically, saying Holly's bonkers. That explanation was nonsense before realizing she's just got in the back of the car <laughs> because Jeannie's invited <laughs> her to stay. <laughs> Which really... like, Ralph, stop, stop, stop saying that. Seriously, stop saying that. Shut up. Shut up. Look in the rearview mirror. Um, do you think it's a good idea for Holly to go and stay with the Andersons? Um, well, from whose perspective? Like for for us, um, as a narrative perspective, it gives uh, gives Jeannie and and Holly the chance to kind of continue their little investigation, which is good. Um, probably not a good idea from Ralph's perspective to say, yeah, sure, but I think he um, at least I think he's polite. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he still has his manners. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm glad it happens, but um, I don't know why Ralph would be like, sure, come in, have some <laughs> I, tea. To be honest, at that point, if I was Holly in the back, I'd be like, do you know what, actually, I'm going to go to a motel and I'd just get out of <laughs> yeah. the car. I'd be like, he's been exactly. a knob. Um, but no, that's not what happened. Um, and for us viewers, it gives us a lot more to work with here. So Holly uh, walks in and immediately walks off into the hallway and at the, mo- at the time it happens you're like what the fuck are you doing where are your manners just wandering into someone's house but what yeah. she's actually seeing is the timeline of like blurry face dudes that Jeannie's hung up uh, and she makes a pretty astute assumption here um, that it is the kind of journey of his transformation and the reason that he waits between killings or taking on people's visage is because he's transforming uh, like some kind of disgusting, murderous butterfly in a chrysalis. I was going to say, I've got one minor, very, very minor Easter egg here. Oh, well, I was just, all I was going to say is that Holly starts looking at the chair um, and Ralph's not a happy chappy. So uh, before I ask my other question, tell me your Easter egg. Well, it is minor, but how often, how how often does uh, Pennywise surface? Every 27 years. Correct. How many days between each killing? Between 24 and 28. No, 27. Is it actually 27 days? 24 to 27 days, yeah. Nice. I like that. I'm trying to avoid the it's because I've never actually finished the book. That's the only thing. Oh, really? Um, It's also the only only thing that we've been able to reference. (laughs) Um, Now, a question for you. I know know you're teaching... Uh, expertise law and geography but i don't know how you know how much you know about science gas um can you make a homemade black light with an iphone camera and some drawn on bits of sticky tape i hope so um me too i was gonna say i really want to try it i hope not but not because i've got anything to hide just (laughs) um it seems like it seems creepy but yeah how cool would that be i'm giving it a go i'm definitely giving it a go i've got some um 
red and blue sharpies in the office that I reckon if you combine them together might make the same colours that she made. Um, well, don't know what I'm going to blacklight. Purple. Yeah, black blacklight. Yeah. yeah. So um, we'll see. Um, right. But obviously, Jeannie explains like that she's seen the outsider or El Cucho uh, in the house and that he was on the chair and we have this whole conversation about and let's not go back to the weight of radio transmissions um, but yeah. the black light across the table and you know all of this it looks like disgusting um, what, what do you think about the existence of that and the conversations that they have about it why Why have they had to I mean A are they they're just sort of like nobody's sat on this chair since. Like, well, to be fair, Jeannie just touched it because she picked it up and moved it. Anyway, there's that. Then there's this whole business about it being a hologram or not actually being Let's in the house. Let's not go back onto that again. I know, but it's just, is it necessary? I, I'd, I'd prefer in a way, like I get, that, I get that what they're doing is Ralph saying there can't have been a break-in, there's no signs of a break-in, nobody was in the house. And so like from a an evidence-based perspective, it couldn't have been the the outsider. It must have been a dream. But I'd prefer it if it was just like he managed to zap himself into the into the house and zap himself out. Like I would prefer that rather than it being some sort of hologram. What's the point? It's just it's just unnecessary. Yeah, and I and Mur- I haven't muddying meant- the waters further. <laughs> I haven't mentioned this in, in King Corner, but I don't think the conversation about radio transmissions or holograms um, happens in the book. They do do the black light thing, which which is good, but it's kind of like basically he's just dripping goo all over the floor while he's in the middle of his transformation, which is disgusting. Um, but I yes. think there's a handprint on the table or something like that. So it's a little bit more tangible than just a load of glowy smudges. Um, and I think what what I think is challenging about this is that in this episode, there are about five different ways that the outsider influences or appears to people in dreams or in their head or in like a weird vision or as a radio transmission or fucking who knows what. Um, and I think right, you kind of, ju- yeah, you just need to pick one. Just pick one. <laughs> yeah. So what yeah. you could have done is you could have had Holly's weird dream vision which is really what I think that was. It, she was half asleep and he's coming to her in her subconscious and then make Jeannie's experience with him that it was a dream. I don't know what you can do with Jack and we'll get onto that in a second. Um, but just get a bit of consistency with it because otherwise what we're ending up with is a bad guy that we cannot predict in any way whatsoever. So I don't see how they're going to resolve this. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I mean, in a way I'm looking forward to what power he has next. Yeah. Um, well well, let's move over to Jack who is Mm. having quite possibly the worst time ever so he gets back to his mangy little flat and uh, his mum turns up back from the grave and beats the fucking living daylights out of him so to make sure we do what he's told I'm not going to go through these scenes in too much detail because there's just no need Um, but I can, can I just say that the first moment when He's walk. He walks out of the shower, and then you hear like, "Hey, Jackie boy, that is terrifying. That's excellent. Yeah, that's so, that's done so well. But then when we come back to that that scene, and you just see like comedy actress 
from she's from like Saturday Night Live, the person playing the mum, and she looks it it the way that she that she contorts her face and 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 eventually jump flies through the air is just it's it's like shit a, slapstick comedy. It's like a demented Oompa Loompa. Yeah. Because Jack's a big bloke. And yeah. I'm sure that there's a horror movie where there are small children or dolls or leprechauns or something that attack people and try to eat them. But all I can think about is gremlins <laughs> and that's not what I mean. But that's what it felt like to me. I thought it was fucking hilarious. What I liked even better was when he was being thrown about and dragged about the room without his mother there. So it just looked like he was like throwing himself around and beating himself up, which I know I shouldn't be laughing at it because it's not it's supposed to be serious television, but I thought it was really funny. Yeah, you laugh at all the good bits, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I'm a psychopath. Mm. It's true. Yes, evidently. Um, that's why I moved to Australia. Hey! Um, but, you know, like, yeah, he can be beaten up without there being anything there. I, I just th- thought the whole mum thing was totally unnecessary and didn't work for me at all. Certainly got him to do as he was told. Um, well, it did. I'll yes. tell you what, why don't we move on to happier places, Gaz? To the Gentleman's okay. Club, shall we? The Peach Crease. Um, this is a very there's a cheery place. <laughs> oh yeah, yay! The peach crease. Everyone looks so happy on heroin. Um, not that I'm saying that every uh, exotic dancer is addicted to heroin because I'm not at all. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. Okay. Uh, but we get a little scene here which gives us a little update on Claude, who he's who appears to still be a little bit hazy and apparently pe- feeling quite violent. Uh, so there's a fight and he goes to break it up. And uh, this huge bloke, who quite frankly should have been breaking up the fight by himself, tells him to go and take some air because he's still on probation. Um, so he does. He goes out and he uh, and as he drives off, we see that Eunice is there watching him. Um, yeah, which I like. What do you I, think? What do you think he's going to do? I think he's going to tell him. Uh, it's the obvious answer. But I think that this is this is the show's way of, of saying Eunice believes that this could be the unbelievable and what he's doing is trying to find evidence of that in reality to make it more manageable for his nice police brain to be able to deal with and then to be able to kind of say to everyone else well look actually holly's not completely nutso el cucho is eating children and turning people into crazies yeah um which is a sensible thing to do I i fear for him though i think he's I think he's heading into a world of trouble here. I think he could be. I think he could be. Mm. Uh, I know. Uh, hmm. I I think that I think it's important that somebody does something sensible here. And actually the only people who appear to be taking action of any kind that is paying off in some kind of information are Holly and now Eunice. So I'm I'm all for this. Um Do you know what I thought might happen? Um when I saw that Eunice was there? I thought that maybe they would try and arrest um, Claude and then have him have him locked up and do the morally dodgy thing of waiting for the next murder and then seeing that there's all this evidence that says it was it was Claude and then they'd be like, but we know that Claude was locked up in this you see, jail cell. That would be sensible, wouldn't it? Hmm. 
Well, let's go back to the unsensible place. Let's go back to the Andersons. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> Where Holly is being very unsensible by theorising that perhaps it wasn't actually El Cucho, it was a projection or a blah, 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 blah. Um, but then she finally gets onto the point that perhaps uh, it's sort of a mind control theory that he's forcing people like Tracy, and obviously we in the background know Jack, to do his evil bidding while he's transforming. Um, and weirdly... So Ralph then, he's like, I'm not having this, I'm going away. He goes into Derek's room and they get a call from Glory, like really late at night, asking him to come over, which I thought was bizarre. Mm. So this is, and you mentioned this at the beginning, so one of the things, what's juxtaposed with Jack being beaten up by his tiny crazy mum, dead tiny crazy mum, is Glory kind of going through Terry's drawers, touching his watch, smelling his shirts, and then all of a sudden just dumping everything into the hallway clearly we now know kind of looking for some kind of evidence that he wasn't the man that she thought she was and that he could have been guilty um and this is what she says to to ralph when he comes over you know actually if we can't find any evidence to the contrary maybe he was guilty you know it's a horrible thing to have to think but maybe he was and ralph is still adamant that he's innocent even if he can't believe what holly's saying um you mentioned the glory scenes in your kind of overall review guys did you like them how did you feel about it no i didn't i I, I didn't mind this conversation i think that's quite good it's quite a natural place for it to go like for her to to show some signs of doubt um when they're you know from her perspective they're inventing monsters to try and explain why it wasn't why it was why, why he didn't do it but um yeah, I just thought I, I don't get the cuts between um, Jack being beaten up by his mum and and Glory getting rid of all of all of his clothes. I, I think it was like it didn't make sense, did it? It was the wrong thing to just suppose. Yeah, I didn't get I didn't get what the message there was at all. I don't know whether it's they're both sort of being tormented by people who have died. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, well, I think it would make more sense to to cut between Ralph and Glory than it would between Jack and Glory. Because they're more, you know, like Ralph in those scenes last week when he saw his son in his room or like Jeannie packing up his toys rather than Jack being beaten up by his tiny mad dead mum. Exactly. So, yeah, you know, it didn't work for me, but whatever, they've decided to do that. So Ralph comes home um, and Holly's in the kitchen looking for some tea. They have a bit of a verbal spa. And then Holly says that she's surprised that he hasn't had any visions or dreams, which actually, if you think about it, doesn't really make much sense. You'd think the outsider would go for Ralph first and be like, dude, fuck off, leave it alone, rather than trying to pass in messages through creepy six-year-olds and his wife. Um, and then it's sort of I does he actually say to Holly I saw my son but it wasn't him or does he say yeah. it to himself no he says it but um, I wasn't sure and maybe this was deliberate when he was saying it wasn't him was he saying it wasn't his son or was he saying it wasn't the outsider I don't know it could be either I'm, re- I'm still unsure um, and I and I liked that and I, like when Ben Mendelsohn is being quite introverted and not stubborn, he's he's great. Um, and while he's muttering away, it wasn't him. Holly, she's like, ah, sorry, I'm just going to go and print some pictures of some blisters. <laughs> yeah. Um, you don't mind if I use up your ink, do you? Don't print it in colour. 
yeah, full colour on photo paper as well, just so, you know, you can see all of the details, uh, which, oh, just disgusting. So we come to our final scene, Gaz. Yes. Well, final set of scenes. So the next day, Jack gets up, puts his makeup on, nicest shirt, and he goes off to pick up Holly to because uh, he's called her and said, I want to take you to the barn and show you something. Um, which, oh, yeah. if anything, if you knew anything about Jack Hoskins anyway, you would not go to the barn with him. He's not a nice man. Um, and, uh, and this is where the shit begins to go down. Uh, so she's like, oh, I don't really want to drive with you. You can you can get in here, but, you know, bus nearly crashed. Didn't mention it was her. Uh, so he gets in the car. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, she left that detail out. <laughs> she was like, yeah, just because I had a bit of a crazy nightmare about a guy that's definitely dead. Um, but don't worry about that. I'll drive. What? So I don't know really. I can't remember how the conversation comes about, but she basically goes, you'd look better without the makeup. And then she's feeling in the back seat. She picks out some wet wipes and she tries to get one out, drops it on the floor. And as Jack bends down, all of a sudden it's like, Oh, fuck. He's got blisters on the back of his neck. And she knows. She fucking knows something is wrong. So she tries to yep. suggest going back to pick something up from Ralph's. Uh, and Jack is having none of that. And that is where the episode ended. And I've got to say, that that last scene is what gave it four bloobs for me. Because finally I was like, Holly's got evidence right in front of her that something is really fucking wrong. I was really on edge. I didn't know how badly he was going to react. I didn't know where they were going. Like, loved it. I thought it was a great way to end the episode. Yeah, I thought, um, I think the same. It's, it's what's made me really look forward to the next next episode, the next few episodes, because like I said, I think it, it did hit a bit of a, a slump for me. Um but uh, but that was a sign that it was heading back out. That was the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, 100%. And I think, like, Holly's reaction... And again, it's this... Cynthia Erivo is so good. It's that kind of... There isn't much expression, but there is so much in her face. And I, mm. I just... She's a stunning actress. Uh, and that's what really got me excited at the end of this one. Really yeah. good. Yeah. How badly do you think shit's going to go down in next episode? I think the thing is, Holly knows that she's um, she's in a bit of a pickle here, and I don't think there's actually going to be much point in Jack kind of keeping up the front anymore. I reckon he'll just explain what's going on, and she'll try and help him. Really? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it'll be like. Um, he's like, I'm, he'll be like, I'm sorry, I've got to do this. Like, I've got to, I have to, I've got no choice. And she'll be like, what do you mean? You always have a choice. And then he'll be like, I don't, this thing's got me. I've, I'm so sorry, I've got to do this. And then everybody else is going to, Ralph's going to find out about it and or that, that she's gone. Maybe Holly's left a note or something to say where she's gone. Um. And I hope she has. That would be really nice and convenient, wouldn't it? It really would. Um, or um, Andy will call up with some new information or just to say that he misses her. And she'll be like, quick, help. Um, I love you. Help me. This is where I am. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think there's going to be... I think it's going to be some some drama, some tension for mm. sure. I think that's quite an interesting way to think about it because I um I hadn't considered the fact that Holly might want to try and help Jack, and I suppose that's one of the things I said last week is that the Jack 
in the show is more sympathetic a character than he is in the book. So I suppose I can actually see that working with these two. Um, I'd like it if security card Andy turned up and saved the day. Like, actually, it turns out he's a stalker and he's put trackers on Holly um, and he knows her every movement, but that's what saves her life. So they fall in love and go and live in Dayton, Ohio together. That is a possibility. Mm, Yeah. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, We'll have to wait and see for next week's episode. Now, I wonder, Gaz, if it might be time to take ourselves over to King Corner. What do you think? Let's head over there, shall we? I'm innocent, Red. Just like everybody else here. The house is burning. Hi, Georgie. I'm afraid I have a tendency to turn up the heat. Red rum! Red rum! Creepy Carrie! Creepy Carrie! You flop! Hello, it's me again. You never get rid of me in this podcast. Hello, hello, Gareth. It's Gareth, look. Uh, I'm still here. Here we are in King Corner. It's cosy and lovely, largely because we haven't got a section on Easter eggs because it's all about Pennywise and it. Uh, What we do have, though, is some book differences to talk about. Now, some of these we've mentioned before um, while we've been talking about the plot itself. Uh, some of them a little bit more detailed. So I think, like, I mentioned this earlier, so Ralph in the book is is still quite disbelieving, um, but he is nowhere near as rude to Holly as he is in this episode, right. in my opinion. Um, and I've, I've mentioned this before, that they become very close, um, and not in a, like, sexy time way, just in a, like, really good mate's way. Um, and yep. I and I feel a bit like what they're trying to do with the show is they're trying to split the Ralph from the book into Ralph and security guard Andy. Oh. So we we get some telly romance. Not there's no romantic stuff in the book, but instead of giving Ralph and Holly the really close relationship that they had in the book, they're taking half of that away and giving it to the Andy character. Yeah. Okay. Um. So does Andy not exist at all? I think she speaks to a security guard. But no, there's right, no okay. there's no security guard Andy with secret police friends. <laughs> yeah, okay. Not the secret police. We're not in Russia. Um, is that Russia? Yeah. Yeah. Soviet Union. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, I think that might be what they're trying to do, and I, and I kind of I get it, and it it's fine. Um, but it's just a shame because I remember the relationship between Ralph and Holly being so good, and me enjoying it so much that I think not having it this far into the season means we're not going to get yeah. it. Yeah. No, I wouldn't have thought so. There's not enough time. No, four episodes it. left. God, we've only got four episodes left. Um, the scene that we just talked about with Holly and Jack doesn't happen in the book, uh, but their storylines do converge at some point in a slightly different way. And that's all I will say for now. Uh, oh, okay. So well, the bit I quite like, the kind of people around the table detective reveal uh, scenario. Pre- it's pretty similar in terms of like who's there and that she goes through all her findings. But in the book, Holly actually brings a, a DVD because she's a massive film buff um, and she loves movies, <laughs> right. which is great. I mean, she'd be great at the podcast, to be honest. Uh, and she shows a few clips from a film uh, with a kind of similar creepy character to El Cucho. And I can't remember. I'll tell you what, if it turns out to be the Yiddish vampire, it'll be hilarious. Um but basically, this like a couple of scenes of this guy taking on someone else's face and eating children or putting them in a bag and then eating them later. And she's like, I know it sounds mental, but this is what's happening. Um, right, okay. <laughs> so, which, um, you know, multimedia. What is that film? I 
that sounds like that sounds like a candidate for the worst of Netflix, to be honest. Yeah, quite possibly. I'll see if I can find out what it is for you. And if not, then I'll find something equally terrible for the worst of Netflix. Um, so we get one of the things that we do get is the black light trick with the phone. Holly staying yep. with the Andersons um, and Jeannie being quite believing of Holly in the book. So all of that is spot on. Brilliant. Excellent. Well, I think well the, that's good. Well, yeah. So the things that do work, fantastic. The one I think the biggest the biggest thing here and the thing that's really different is that we've barely developed any further into the plot in the last four episodes compared to where we are in the book. So like the beginning, I said the first two episodes were basically 50% of the novel and they went very quickly. Mm. The plot moved really fast. Everything was really exciting. And then the last floor, floor, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> the last four have been quite slow plot movers, which yeah. is good and bad. It's not always necessarily a bad thing for a show to move slowly, but for right. for a book reader, comparatively, it's a very different experience to have gone, you know, something that took me, well, <laughs> it took me about a day to read half the book, um, but like, you know, it's a long time to experience to then reading, uh, to then watching something in the space of two hours. It just feels yeah. very quick. It's like it's gone too fast. Yeah, well... Yeah, I mean, like you say, if if the a slow-paced show, nothing wrong with that. If that's kind of, but I think it has to be quite consistent, like a a slow-paced um, sort of detective show or like true crime story. They start off slow-paced and and it kind of slowly works up to a crescendo for the last couple of episodes or whatever. Um, whereas this went like boom, 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 and then it's just gone like boom. It's almost gone the opposite, hasn't it? Sounds. Yeah. Yeah. It's but like I think... we've had all the hard hitters in the first two hours and then the last four hours have just been sort of plodding along, creating loose ends almost. It's like we're going backwards through a detective novel. That's actually exactly what's happening is that the detective work is moving backwards. Which... further away. Now I've said it out loud is making me wonder about my score. Um, I still believe mm-hmm. there's a five bloob in here. For me, I know you've already had one. I haven't had mine yet, but I still believe it's there. Um, those are basically all of the differences slash comparisons that I could pick up. Um, something similar happens with Jack, but I can't remember if it's his mum. I can't right. entirely remember. So listeners, please tell me. I did try to find out, but apparently the internet is not very good at comparing new Stephen King novels to adaptations because... They've not been out long enough or the internet's lazy. Who fucking knows? Um, but I'll tell you who does know some stuff, uh, our listeners and their feedback. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So first up, we've got Brad from Tennessee. Oh, Brad from Tennessee. Brad from Tennessee. Uh, Brad says this. Hello, fan critical. Hello. Hello, Brad from Tennessee. I was introduced to your podcast via the Minutemen and the Watchmen podcast. Hey. Yeah, here's one of them there. Uh, and really enjoyed it, particularly Len's stellar Jeremy Irons impersonation. And that, I agree with you there, Brad. It was fantastic. Uh, Do you know what? I, I, like, it was good. I went away and I sort of practised that on my own. And I reckon I nailed it, but I'm, I'm never going to bring it because I'll only embarrass myself or it'll be pointless because it's already been done. So... Um, just for the record, I believe I'm as good a Jeremy Irons impersonator as Len, but nobody will ever hear it. I believe that you believe that, Gaz. 
Um, don't worry, you'll, you'll have your Jeremy Irons moment. It'll be, I don't know who it'll be, but it'll be somewhere else. Somewhere else, someone else in another podcast somewhere. Uh, but Brad, Brad continues day. to say, with that being said, Emma and Lucy are very entertaining and I've loved their insight on this show so far. Thank you, Brad. Uh, Brad's question is this. Why does it seem like Claude Bolton is sick every time they show him? I assume the outsider is somewhere in the woods transforming into Claude. Agreed. Uh, and that, the, and that re- the real Claude they're showing at his club, that's, that's the real Claude. Um, but why is he sick? Is that what happens during the month the outsider transforms into its victim? Terry Maitland didn't seem like he was sick with his quips and his pancake cooking. Uh, also, the nurse didn't say Heath was acting weird until he left for his vacation. But of course, we know that the, well, that was the monster that she saw. But there was no comment from her on the run up to his vacation. Anyway, just wanted to get your thoughts on this. Love the podcast. Brad, I agree. Um, it doesn't make any sense. And I said this in the last two episodes. Um, again, it's consistency. Which is why I'm still unsure whether the outsider is turning into Claude or what. And I assume he I think, is, but I think he must be. They've sort of they've foreshadowed this enough. But yeah, I mean I totally agree. I had the same thought. Don't know why he's sick. Um maybe it's just a coincidence. Maybe he's got a little bit of flu. Maybe he's uh going cold turkey from that heroin that I talked about earlier in the peach craze. Oh yeah, that could yeah, be it. Could be it. Yep, sweating it out. Um, or maybe there's just some. Maybe because he's a little bit evil and not like his normal do-gooder victims, it's not taking as quickly or as well. Who knows? Mm. Another theory. Maybe. Uh, don't worry, we've got more feedback because uh, Todd's back. Hey, Toddy B. Toddy B. How you doing, Todd? Uh, Todd says, hey guys, my thoughts, pros. I really appreciate how, as the show is going into the supernatural, the characters are sceptical and almost laugh it off. The reaction from Glory felt real and quite honestly something I'd probably say and do. Okay. Doesn't believe in the supernatural then, Todd. Uh, I've always enjoyed the believer versus sceptic storyline. The best moments in this episode are centred around that dilemma and I think the show hits this home effectively. Acting is, again, very strong, especially Cynthia Erivo. She brings a very commanding presence to every scene. Agreed. Commanding, compelling, I think, is our our, uh, word of choice for Cynthia Erivo. Certainly is. And I think, actually, Todd makes a good point there that Glory's reaction did feel very real. Um, and I think as much as I don't always, as much as I don't always agree with what she says and does, you do feel it. Like she's very good. Mm. It's very visceral. Um, yes. But Todd yeah. also has some yeah. cons. Uh, his first one is sucks for El Cucho that all the people who see it are above average drawers. Um, <laughs> fair <laughs> point. <laughs> and mm. and as we all said, I know if police asked me to draw a suspect, they would be getting a stick figure. I'm glad you're with us on that one, Todd. Um, the Jack as henchman storyline still feels very used and predictable. It's a classic Stephen King trope, and hopefully they start bringing new elements into that story. Yes. Yes, very good. Uh, Todd agrees with me as well from last week. The Terry death was about 40% or so into the book. They've really milked the second half of the book for material. I appreciate slow burn, but this episode didn't really give us new information. Holly just explained everything she found out the previous episodes to everyone else. Uh, yep. Spot on, Todd. Uh, Todd's biggest question is this. The monster's next victim was always from out of town to make sure people weren't catching on. If it has attached itself to the strip club club guy, Claude Bolton, and that guy commits a murder similar to Terry, won't that just prove Terry's innocence? Very good point. Very good point. Well, yeah, I mean, 
at no point has Claude said, oh, God, only only one week to go before my big trip to Vegas or whatever. Which seems like, legit he, for Claude. Maybe he can't leave the county. <laughs> yeah, maybe he can't. But, and that, but that's the point, is they can't just chuck in a little holiday for him now. But also that wouldn't work because we need, like, he, the, the outside needs to go somewhere else. You can't kill two people in... in Mm, Cherokee no, City. Work. Ugh. I, again, work. where are your rules, guys? Uh, but Todd does say, overall, guys, I'm still really enjoying the show and look forward to seeing how all this plays out. With that said, I feel like this is the least eventful episode as far as moving the plot forward. Like I said before, I enjoy a slow burn, but at points it doesn't seem like a burn anymore. Uh, it feels like the show needs a jumpstart moment to wake it back up. Three blueberries for me. Top-notch acting is saving a below-average story pacing. Thanks as always. Um, yes, again, yeah. Todd is just, you know, just on the same page. Um, but I think uh, I think I, I reckon Todd feels the same. I've got I've got faith that it's going to come through at the end. It's, I do too. It's going to work by the end. I um, think that, yeah. like, I think next episode could be the one where shit really gets real. Like, I think we've had a bit of a cliffhanger at the end of this episode with Holly going off with Jack and us, well, Holly realising that things are not uh, really going in the right direction um, and that she shouldn't be in this car with this guy with the mouldy neck. Uh, So I think if that doesn't blow up next episode in quite a spectacular way, then there's a problem. Um, And just for future reference for everybody, the next episode is called In the Pines, In the Pines. So I think we might be in a wood of pines. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Um, just just a thought. Uh, yeah. I, I think next episode, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I think next episode might be my five blue. Ooh. Although I remember you saying that three episodes ago. Yep. And that was a three blue. So shame. Uh, no, I really, I really think, because I, I know where this is going. Hopefully. I know what this is based on, where it should be going. And I think that we could be in for a real treat. I mean, a, a nasty treat. Surprise. It'll be good. I think it'll be good. Okay. Um, so, I'm excited. Yeah, we will see how we get on. We will see. Uh, but for now, I think that's, that's probably it from us, isn't it, Gaz? Anything else that I've missed or anything you want to add before we say goodbye to the team? Um, no, just thanks for listening and all that jazz, I suppose. Yeah, all that jazz, guys. Thank you. Uh, no, serious thank you for tuning in. And again, thank you to all of our new Patreons uh, from this week and everyone who's been supporting us so far. Do follow us on social media where you can catch up with everything that we're doing. It's at FanCriticalPod on Twitter, at Fan underscore Critical on Instagram, FanCritical on Facebook. Or you can email us with your feedback, uh, any book differences that I've missed or any Easter eggs that are not related to Pennywise or It, please. Unless it's a really good if one. If possible. If, if at all possible, possible uh, you can email us at fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com. We love your listener feedback. We always read it all out on the podcast uh, and we do like to listen to your thoughts. Uh, so thank you for listening today. Uh, this has been Emma hosting and uh, Gaz over in Australia. And uh, Thanks, we, Em. You're welcome and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye.